This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Forgive and it shall be forgiven you. Yes, indeed, and that goes for fathers as well. Today we're going to be asking a question for men. Are you man enough to forgive? Are you man enough to forgive? You say, well, what do I have to forgive? Well, maybe you aren't aware of what you have to forgive. Maybe you've taken care of the forgiveness issue in your life in every respect. But you want to listen in very carefully today because your destiny and that of your family and those who your progeny, all of those who are echoing on in your sphere of influence could be at risk. This is an at-risk situation here today that we talk about because one of the things that we note is that the number one social problem in America today, plaguing America, is fatherlessness. Fatherlessness. And uh, uh, right now, uh, we know from sociologists and other uh, observers that fatherlessness is the number one plague upon our society. It's not just something concluded by Christians, it's something concluded by secularists. Yes, fatherlessness. And there are two primary causes of fatherlessness. The first is unwed pregnancy and childbirth. Unwed pregnancy and childbirth. Now, you would wonder with all of the abortions, uh, 67 million abortions since 1963 or 1973, that we would have very much fatherlessness because actually all of those that would have been fathers are no longer anymore. So those kids aren't fatherless. They just don't exist. So you can see the depth of the problem when you realize that the number one cause of this blight upon our country is, in fact, unwed child birth. Now, the second cause is divorce. And since 1969, when uh, Ronald Reagan authorized the No-Fault Divorce Act when he was governor of California, which, by the way, he said was the worst thing he ever did, uh, when he did that, he inaugurated a plague that swept across the country Uh, first in the secular realm, and then in the early 1970s throughout the church. And it has echoed on to today so that over the past uh, years since 1969, approximately one million children a year have been left virtual orphans as a result of divorce. I want you to think about that. Now, here's something else to think about. You say, well, I didn't want to hear anything about that. I I don't want to talk about that. Well, yes, you do want to talk about that because you you don't understand. You have no clue what we're about to talk about. Not really. You're going to have to hang in there, my friend. Are you man enough to forgive? That's the question. Are you? And so we continue on. We know now that for the past 20 years or so, The divorce rate in the Bible Belt of America, the Bible Belt of America, has exceeded the nation's whole by 50%. Which means that professing Christians have become as much a part of the problem of divorce and the breakdown of the family as has 
the unbelieving part of the country. Now, if that's the case, I want you to consider this. Ask yourself, how many children have I had? How many grandchildren have I had? Did you know that every single one of them to date has already experienced a reason not to forgive you? Every one of them. If you divorced, they have a reason not to forgive you. If you've committed adultery, they have a reason not to forgive you. If you've been unkind to their parent, to their mother, you have a reason for your kids not to forgive you. Are you beginning to get the point? In other words, every single one of us, whether we're a divorce or not, we have to deal with this issue of forgiveness. And we're going to do that today with our special guest, John Smithbaker. Uh, he's written a fascinating book called Man Enough to Forgive, Healing the Wounds of Fatherhood Abandonment. Healing the Wounds of Fatherhood Abandonment. You may not think of yourself as an abandoning father, but what do your kids think? You see, it's not just what we think, it's what our kids think and what our grandkids think and what those around us think, and even more so, what God thinks. So, with that opening statement, friends, I guess you get an idea that we're going to be talking about something pretty significant because God says, if you will not, Jesus said it, if you will not forgive others, uh, their trespasses against you, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. Hmm. Okay, John Smith Baker joining us from Arizona, which he says has lost its supreme heat and is now uh, like the Garden of Eden for people to uh, gather in out there in Arizona under the blessings of sunshine and cool weather. Is that true, John? Amen. The, the phone lines aren't melting, so we're able to have this conversation. Well, you don't know that the phone lines aren't melting because you don't see them here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Well, you're welcome. And uh, the reality is uh, you, you have spoken like a man. You've spoken like a man in your book. Uh, this broadcast is not for limp-wristed men who speak yeah. with a lisp. No, we speak straight out. We speak like a man. Uh, we speak lovingly and kindly, but we speak straight out. We don't mince words, and uh, I don't think God minces words either, does he? No, no. He is He is the ultimate truth teller, and he tells us that uh, his word, his gospel, his truth is offensive to the unbeliever. Now, wait a and minute. Both. You've already offended us now, haven't you? I mean, you've <laughs> used this word. That word is almost offensive as the word obey that's become the most hated word of the church. Yeah, truth, you mean? No, obey. <laughs> <laughs> obey, yeah. No, yeah, exactly. Obey, too. I mean, it's, it, you know, Satan's big plan is to change the definition of words, and we see that in today's culture, even with male and female. Oh, I mean, you got that yeah. right. And the diminution of masculinity, stripping out the maleness of uh, the male species and uh, leaving us as virtual eunuchs. Yeah. Make no mistake about it. This culture, the prince of evil of this world, is at war with men. Mm -mm -mm. Because God created men with divinely 
ordained roles as being the pastor, provider, and protector. Mm-hmm. And Satan wants to destroy those roles, and in order to do that, he has to destroy men. And just so I don't forget to say it, just so we can say it in love before we get all fired up here, <laughs> mask- masculinity is a gift from God. Masculinity is a gift from God. All right, so and- when a famous actress at one of the famous uh, uh, events there in Hollywood said, down with patriarchy, uh, she was actually speaking openly and defiantly against God's will, wasn't she? Sure. Sure. All right. Satan. We're going to pick up Satan. on that after this yeah. break. So hang in there, my friend. I know you're having a hard time restraining yourself. This is such a compelling subject. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Jesus made the statement that he who is forgiven much loves much. But what if we don't think we have much to be forgiven? Maybe that is part of the problem with our lack of love for the Lord today. Maybe we're actually very much like the church of Ephesus, the first of the seven churches of Asia, that God said, you've lost your first love. Maybe we just don't have a cognizance level that we have much to be forgiven. Think about that. If we do not sense that we have much to be forgiven, we necessarily are walking in pride. And pride is the very first of all sins. That's what kicks Satan out of heaven. And that's why he's conspiring against you and I to rise up in pride in our generation. So we don't want to do that. And forgiveness, in many respects, is the antidote, not just humility, but forgiveness, because forgiveness requires humility. It really does. Forgiveness requires humility. So, we're talking about that here today on Viewpoint, in plain terms, asking the question, are you man enough to forgive? We're going to be talking about healing the wounds of fatherhood and fatherhood abandonment, and uh, it's a wonderful book. It's a uh, $20 book, yours uh, on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, our special guest today, John Smith Baker, uh, has three kids, and uh, they are all adults. Uh, his children are younger, or about the same age, generally speaking, as my grandchildren. So that kind of puts us in a, uh, a relative position here. But John, as a former trial lawyer, I always had to uh, qualify my expert witnesses to make sure that they were qualified to speak as an expert witness. So you are a father, right? 
Yes, sir. Praise okay. God. And you have three kids. Yes, sir. And you're married. Yes. And how long have you been married? School, yeah, married my high school sweet, sweetheart and married 32 years. Praise well, God. good for you. Good for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you're qualified then to speak upon this, but I'll bet your wife would be qualified to speak about this too because I'll bet you have not been a perfect father. No, far from it. <laughs> and <laughs> you know what? Uh, as much as it is lives... Now, I, I really did try to be a perfect father, but I realized that there are things, attitudes and so on, words probably that were spoken and so on, that just did not manifest that level of perfection that I so much desired. So I've had to go back to uh, my daughters. I have three daughters. And from time to time, ask them, forgive me for something that I said or didn't say, something I did or didn't do. And uh, ask them directly, uh, will you please forgive me for that? Yes. And, you know, once you break the sound barrier in forgiveness, it becomes easier to do that, doesn't it? Yes. It's definitely something that it does not come natural to us. Our flesh rebels against it. But it's, uh, as a truly converted believer, we are commanded to do it. And even if we don't feel like it, if we don't like it, or it's hard, we, we are commanded to do it because it is a mark of a believer and a reflection of the mercy and grace that Christ demonstrated to us, his adopted children. Well, I, I suspect that coming out of your own relationship with your father uh, came a motivation for this book. Am I right? Yes, yes. I... Um, I had a road to Damascus experience at age 40 when God reached down and pulled me out of the pit of hell. You Wait a minute, wait a minute. No, that's not what he did. He knocked you off your high horse. Well, that too. That too. <laughs> whatever he did, whatever he did, he knocked me way down on my knees. When I was for his at age 40. Wow. At age 40. Yeah. At age 40, everything obviously changed. And um, I, I was on my hands and knees begging for God's forgiveness, and I saw all my earthly, fleshly sins easily I repented of. Mm -hmm. But then I heard the Heavenly Father say to me, he says, John, now you need to forgive your earthly father for leaving you behind. And he knew that the unforgiveness of my father was the deepest of my sins. Mm -hmm. The unforgiveness of my father. why Why did you have to forgive your father? Well, because he abandoned his roles, he broke a commitment, he broke a vow, and he did not shepherd his children into uh, adulthood like fathers are to, to do. Mm. And he abandoned the three roles of fatherhood, which are pastor, provider, and protector. Mm-mm. And it made a great void in my life, and I spent 40 years trying to fill that hole, that void, and uh, to no avail. And uh, so, yeah, so once I did... Then I knew I was born again. I felt the rush. I felt, I felt I was a new creation. And because unforgiveness matters to Christ Almighty, it is said that nature abhors a vacuum, and you had a vacuum of, shall we say, fatherlessness. Even though your father was there, uh, apparently uh, he was not conducting himself as a father should. So there was a vacuum of fathering there in your life and you felt that didn't you 
Yeah, well, my father wasn't there. I mean, he was there in the town, but he uh-huh. was not in the home. Oh, was, was there the a home. divorce? Oh, yeah. My father took off on me and my family. My older sister was three years older when I was in my mother's womb. Mm-hmm. He tried to have my, my father encouraged my mom to kill me through an abortion. Thankfully, she did not. Wow. And he started, he started a new family across town. So you have quite a number of things for which you would have to forgive your father. Well, it was really, I mean, if you wrote them all down, you know, like, it, it's a lot. But the, the, the forgiveness of my father was for one thing, that he did not father me. Uh-huh. He did not shepherd. He did not fulfill the roles of pastor, provider, and protector. Well, let me share a little story then mm-hmm. out sure. of my own life. Um after 20 years of law practice, and I had formed Save America Ministries, uh, God had spoke me to my heart in 1992 that I'd been pleading the cause of men long enough. He wanted me to please his cause in the land as a voice to the church, declaring vision Amen. for the nation, America's greatest crisis hour. So I said, yes, sir, and we formed Save America Ministries in 1993 and uh, told us to relocate sell everything that we had, 30 years of business ministry and political investment in California, and go to the birthplace of the nation. So I had moved my family uh, to Richmond, Virginia, right there on the shores of America's birth river, the James River. And uh, I had 15 months in which I had to sell off my law practice and resolve selling our property and so on in California. So I began to feel this tremendous void in my life. Now, my father uh, never divorced my wife, my mother. Uh, they were married for 70-some years, and uh, my father was a pastor. He had been a pastor for 50 years. And uh, my mother had wanted me to be a pastor. She thought I was going to be a pastor. And uh, so that was the environment that I grew up in, in my father's own church, in the home of a pastor. Mm-hmm. But how, how then could I have this void, this sense of void in my own heart? And it grew so much, John, that I talked to my wife about this, and I said, you know what, the only thing that I can think of is to take my father out for a weekend to one of California's nice resort spots, Lake Arrowhead in the mountains of California. So I did. And I sat down with him over lunch and did my best to try to articulate to him how I felt. I said, Dad, I just, I I feel that you don't truly value me and what God's called me to do. And yet it would seem that it was the complete fulfillment of everything that you and Mom would ever have wanted me to do. And he wasn't against my practicing law either. He thought that was great. But I, I said, I just don't feel like I have my father's, shall we say, approval. It was baffling to him to hear those words. Mm-hmm. Just totally baffling. So that particular time didn't quite solve the problem. So I took him out for another weekend in Palm Springs. Same thing. Finally, he began to get a little bit of a picture of what was bothering me. 
and his words. You would think that the words from a pastor's mouth would come pretty freely. Well, not so much to the family. My father was kind of known as Billy Groat Gruff in the family. And I remember one time going to my mother when I was 15. I said, Mom, what is it that Dad has against me as his firstborn? She said, I don't know, son. And I understand what you're saying. But if you knew his father, she said, you wouldn't feel so abandoned. That's what she said. So I tell you, John, I can feel your pain, and I have felt the pain of many others. But fortunately, my father did the very best he could with few words to try to respond to that empty spot in my soul. And I had to forgive him. Amen. It's tough for a man to forgive things that have happened yeah. in his life that seem to haunt, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you can abandon the, the fatherhood roles of pastor, provider, and protector, even if you're in the home. So You sure can. In yeah. fact, the majority do. Well, yeah. Well, it's less than the majority now since we live in a broken, fatherless nation, but uh, I understand what you're saying. I mean, you know, the horrible statistics we see playing out in, in front of us in our culture, that doesn't even include the bad fathers in the home that's correct so we're we're in deep doo-doo exactly and it's because we have lost the vision or actually rebelled against the vision that god gave us for biblical fathering haven't we yes yeah and you know it's something that the church hasn't has kind of lost its way on too because half its congregants now are divorced yeah. And they don't like to bring this up. So nobody's advocating for these children of divorce that are fatherless. They know they have a deep wound in their soul. And the church doesn't even bring it up because they're afraid to offend the congregants. So who's advocating for these children and their father wounds? It's a sad state of affairs. So I certainly make a point of being their advocate. And you have to look at the world through these children's eyes. And that is the important part. Well, that's yes. why God cried out. Uh, you know, he, one of the great laments of Father God was fatherlessness in the world. Over 118 times in the Bible. It was, it brought tears to God's eyes. Yes. Yes. And it was the most angry he was at his people over this issue because they gave him lip service. They ignored them, yeah. or they used them. Yeah, right there the in Malachi 2. God got on the religious leaders of the day. He said, yeah. you're breaking well, up your families. You're divorcing your spouses. It's tyranny. It's treachery. Yeah, well, the, the family is supposed to be the small church, a picture of God's pride. Exactly. All right, let me ask you a question then. Are we on the yeah. near edge of the second coming? I didn't say the day or the hour. Do you think we <laughs> might, might be on the, the near edge of the second coming? Well, uh, my personal opinion is we're definitely we're definitely experiencing birth pains. How's that? All right, that's the season then. That means this should have a huge piercing uh, effect upon our hearts, even as we're talking yeah. today, shouldn't it? Yeah, we've got to be prepared. And if we're the not being the to... fathers and the grandfathers that God has called us to be, even pastors, hey, listen, we're in deep trouble. Yeah, deep trouble. We are as a nation. All right, so 
your wonderful book, Man Enough to Forgive, Healing the Wounds of Fatherhood Abandonment. $20, my friends, is going to put the book in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 7, 0879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. And think about this, friends. The president of the United, the current putative president of the United States has all but ruined his children. Just look at it. It's before our news every day. We'll be right back to talk about David, another king. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. Saveus.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at saveus.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. We're not here just to cry over spilt milk, friends. We're here to set a trajectory, a direction for healing, for forgiveness, for restoration and recovery, both in our country and in our homes, to prepare the way of the Lord in our own lives for history's final hour. That's what Viewpoint is about. And remember, Viewpoint always determines destiny. Our viewpoint concerning the issue of fathering is determining destiny far more than most of us are willing to admit. And we're going to take a look at how that works in the life of a very unsuspecting biblical personality, one that God called a man after his own heart. His name was David, the second king of Israel. How in the world could our guest today, John Smithmaker, how could he dare to say that King David was a terrible father. Oh, well, maybe you just need to listen up. It caught me by surprise a bit. I already knew some of these things, but it never really resonated quite to the extent that our guest today has provoked us with this information, this understanding in his book, The King David in You. Whoa. Now, uh, John, that, that'll that preach, my friend. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to really think about the consequences of, of fatherlessness or fatherhood abandonment. And King David definitely suffered those wounds. And even in Psalms 27, we may skip over this, but Psalm 27, verse 10, it says, For my father and mother have forsaken me. Mm-mm-mm but the Lord will take me in. 
And I thought about that a lot. And so David feels like his mother and father abandoned them or him. And well, why why would he we, feel that way? Let, let's well, talk about why he would feel that way. Because uh, when Samuel, the the prophet, first prophet there of Israel, was told by God to go to uh, Jesse and uh, anoint the next king of Israel, uh, I'm sure there was a big stir there in Bethlehem. And uh, Jesse trotted out his seven sons, or he, he trotted out his oldest children, and uh, left poor David behind. How do you think that would make David feel? Well, it was just another uh, arrow on the quiver of abandonment. I'm <laughs> sure the abandonment wound started started way before that. That was just the culmination of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, the, David's stature is diminutive. I'm sure that was brought up. I mm-hmm. mean, obviously he was publicly... Uh, humiliated in front of his family. Obviously, that that ceremonial, that holy ceremony that he wasn't invited to, I mean, just was the culmination of that public humility. And then Samuel cried out, well, it's not one of these these sons here. Don't you have any other sons? Oh, right. yeah, well, I've got this Turk, th- this young turkey out here. Uh, he's out in the field somewhere. Yeah. Wow, talk about yeah, so, demeaning. Oh, yeah. And I, I really, I mean... Bible doesn't share this, so it's conjecture. But I would put myself in this boy's spot, and kind of like your story, he, he wasn't affirmed by his dad. He wasn't built up by his dad. He wasn't shepherd. He was put out in the wilderness by himself mm-hmm. and excluded from so many things. And I think I always wondered why is David a man after God's own heart? And I I, I have to come to the conclusion is because David had a forgiving heart. And David wrestled with the Lord, in my opinion, out in the wilderness and forgave his dad and took on, understood that God, God Almighty was his father. Well, he also had to realize, yeah, he had to realize that uh, he had to reconcile with God as his father. So he cries out in Psalm 51, uh, you know, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uh, You know, I've sinned. I've come I, I, I've broken your heart, Father God. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uh, I think God understood the cry of his broken heart toward him, and God was willing to forgive him. But that yeah. didn't mean that David didn't suffer consequences himself and his entire echoing family heritage as a result of, of various aspects of his poor fathering. Amen. That's what we have to realize. Forgiveness doesn't excuse, and it doesn't eliminate the consequences. And and so that's why we should think long and hard by not obeying God Almighty. And there's great consequences for believers who do not forgive. All right. Well, let's talk talk a little bit about, uh, you say that David was a little like us, maybe a lot like us, uh, he, in his conduct with his kids uh, and his families, I mean, he was, you say he was a selfish father, an absent father, an adulterer, and a murderer, a weak father, and provoked his kids to anger. Now, how in the world could a man like that be called a man after God's own heart, you wonder? Because David, even though he was all those things, he was a forgiving man and a repentant man. 
So he wasn't like King Saul. For us. Right, right. I mean, you know, there's certainly a debate on King Saul at the end of his life, but I'm, I'm telling you that, um, that David really demonstrated that, and a lot of that's written down in the Psalms, to have any forgiving, repented heart. Well, a lot of it, and and then also the consequences of his sin with regard to his kids, his sons. My goodness. I mean, you've got guys like... the Bible. And you've got it laid out in your book in such an amazing way. Uh, Here, David was involved in sexual immorality uh, with Bathsheba, and then one of his sons raped yep. a daughter. Yeah. And then, exactly. as if that were not enough, another son, Absalom, conspired together with David's other 70 sons to have Ammon put to death for the rape. So it just echoes on and on and on. How is it that we just don't get the idea that there are consequences to our fatherly failure? Yeah, well, I, 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 I would push back a little bit there. I think we do get it. I think we do get it. You think so? I mean, we see it. I do. I think, I think we see it. We see it. We, we pretend. We hope it doesn't happen. But listen, our flesh is so selfish, we make excuses. Mm. And our children pay the price. Our children, listen, when you when you make a marriage vow, God hates divorce. We live in a now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean yeah. God's hateful? Oh, yeah. God God demonstrates his hate, and, hate, and divorce is one of those list things he hates. In fact, he <laughs> says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Yeah. I mean, that's not a very PC thing to say anymore, because right? we try to we try to soften this God and make him all about love, but... You know, God's word is is amazing, and you know, two things can be true at one time, and God's word makes that very clear. He's a God of love, but he's a God of justice. That's correct. And, and, and when he gives yeah, these instructions yeah. for fathering and his expectations, that is an expression of his love because he knows the consequences will be very unlovely. Yeah, I, it's my premise that God gave us the family. For one, to be a picture of his bride, the mm-hmm, church, right, and two, to be the 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 fortress, the really the only fortress we have, <clears throat> excuse me, in this fallen world. Because as pastor, provider, and protector, the father, you have to be in the home to fill those roles, and you can be in the home and not fulfill them, but you have to be in the home to fulfill them. And that's not a popular thing to say. Right. People say, well, I, I can be a dad, and we can co-parent. Well, co-parenting is different than fulfilling the biblical role of fatherhood. Yeah. So let, let's just be, speak straight here. And then also, there is dire consequences when your God's plan is not followed. There's always consequences when God's perfect plan is not followed. Absolutely. But when you make a vow and a commitment of marriage, God takes it seriously. God takes it very seriously. In fact, he says, better it would be that you not vow than that you vow and not pay. And don't say before the angels it was an error. Exactly. Yeah. Well, don't listen. say, well, I was I was young. Yes. Exactly. Well, of course you were young. To... Mary and Joseph were young, too. Yeah. Well, listen, we can make all kinds of excuses, but, but the reality is, is God doesn't take those excuses. We, we need to ask for forgiveness. And uh... we, what we have to... What we have to realize 
is that forgiveness is the heartbeat of the gospel. It's the center of the gospel. It is. And and even as believers, as we mature in sanctification, uh, we will not be sinless, but we should sin less, but we still sin. Mm-hmm. And as the closer we, we draw to the light of Jesus in our maturity, the more sin is going to be exposed in our life. So we should have a life filled of repentance and asking for forgiveness. That's exactly what John, the beloved disciple, said in First John. He said, yep. if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word yep. isn't in us. But if we'll confess our sin, he's not talking about confessing your sin for salvation. He's talking about confessing your sin after you've been saved and you still sin. If you will own up to it, confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness that you've committed to date. That's where we need, and that's how we walk in reconciliation with God as our Father, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But here's the here's the point that the book makes, that first principle is forgiveness and reconciliation are two different concepts. Yes. If reconciliation, a whole other book needs to be written on it. Right. But for forgiveness, that's what we're talking about. A lot of people use, well, what are you saying? I have to reconcile with my violator, my abuser, my bad parent? No, we're not talking that. We're talking about forgiveness. And there's a deep, dangerous consequence for believers who don't forgive. What is that? Well, you don't lose your salvation, right? This is not a workspace. Uh, well, yeah. it might be. Jesus said, if you won't forgive others their trespasses against you, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. Well, and if you're not yeah, forgiven, they, you're not. You don't have standing to appear before Him. Well, yeah, I, I'm saying if you're a truly converted person, mm-hmm. and then and then you're not forgiving, that there's a severe consequence for your unforgiving, unforgiveness. Yeah. If you're an unbeliever, and or you think you're a Christian and you refuse to give, then I think your point is right that that should be a very concern to us that we don't have a heart to forgive. All right, friends, the book "Man Enough to Forgive." Healing the Wounds of Fatherhood Abandonment. There's no way we can possibly touch the fullness of this book. It'll encourage you. It'll strengthen you. $20 on our website, saveus.org. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Always a delight to come before you here on Viewpoint to talk about the issues that matter most. Today we're discipling for destiny. It's one of the four pillars of this program. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, the very essence, by the way, of the Great Commission is not evangelism. It's discipleship. It's teaching people to obey everything that God has commanded. 
And the reason God wants us to obey him is because as a father, he knows that's what we need to do. And if we don't obey, then he knows that we're not going to walk in reconciliation with him. We're not going to walk in fellowship with him. We're going to void out much of the so-called blessings that we think we're entitled to. And it's not going to be a pretty picture. It just isn't going to be a pretty picture. And that's what we're experiencing across our nation and in our churches today. And so grave is the problem that precious few of our pastors are willing to address it. Really, they're just not willing to. And the reason, there are two reasons for it. Number one, they're guilty of sin as well, because they also have been engaged in divorce and remarriage and so on. So they don't feel like they have the moral standing to be able to address their congregations. Secondly, they're afraid of the people, because this has become so commonplace, the brokenness of the family, the breakdown of fathering, and so on, that they just don't want to offend people. It's a lot about power, perks, and position, just like it was in Jesus' day, but that's the way it is. And uh, so for you and me as fathers, as men today, and that includes grandfathers, friends, it's going to take some courage. As the famous philosopher Gady once said, courage lost all lost. It's going to take courage to seek forgiveness and to forgive. You see, what I've discovered is that God doesn't want us to say, I'm sorry. Of course you're sorry. You're very sorry. Everybody knows you're sorry. In one way or another, you're sorry. You're just a sorry guy. But what God wants to do is have us own up to the foundations for our sorriness and ask specific forgiveness for those things. Only then can we be forgiven. That's what confession is all about, isn't it, John? Amen. Very specific. There's a very, you know, Bible makes it clear, once again, God's Word is true, that there's biblical forgiveness. I am sorry is not biblical forgiveness. Yeah. So if you tell your wife, I'm sorry, well, she knows you're sorry, and she's very sorry for you. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> but Amen. it doesn't do anything to bridge over the gaps of uh, relationship, the brokenness in the in the marriage, the brokenness in the family. God expects something more hardcore, doesn't he? Yes. Listen, we men have divine responsibility. God put the responsibility on men. I don't care what the culture says. I don't care what church says, some of these liberal churches. Mm-hmm. Men are, were given the responsibility. There's a difference between men and women. Really? And that, that's just, yes. And the church, again, the culture's at war with men, but now the church is at war with men. And mm-hmm. you say, John, how do you say that? Well, seriously, the, we're in a second generation of this fatherhood fatherlessness plague, mm-hmm. and the church is being infiltrated by it. There's a huge amount of beta male pastors out there that refuse to stand on truth. They are ordaining women pastors, undermining the men's roles, God-ordained roles. They, are, they have a fear of challenging men. They have a fear of affirming men. They have a mm-hmm. fear of inspiring men. And they have a fear of leading men. Well, we're, having, so we're our, seeing that happen with the Pope himself. Just this week, just this week, he is emasculating men in the Roman Catholic Church, 
such that he's having to get rid of bishops in the Roman Catholic Church that are trying to stand in the gap for men. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Listen, yeah, so the Church has partaken in, in the destruction of men, and my, my call is to men that to understand your special role. This goes all the way back to the curse, right? Mm-hmm. Men, the curse on men, one of them, is that they, they want to give up the responsibility and make excuses. And we have to stop that. We have to take the responsibility. And the curse on women is to usurp the authority that God gave men. It's right there in Genesis 3. Yes, it's clear as day, and it, it, it is a sad state of affairs. Yep. And I, I'm the first to say, men are the problem, but men are the solution. And I'm here to bring a solution to men. Stop being, stop being victimized. Stop being... Um, held back, stop being on injured reserve, stop being on the sidelines, stop being out of the kingdom battle because of your refusal to forgive your father. Because when you, one of the consequences of, of unforgiveness, unrepented heart, uh, uh, forgiveness of sin in your heart is that you have broken fellowship with the Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. You're basically a useless Christian on the sidelines, on injured reserve. And we have these men, these godly men, that are healed, even though they sinned in the past, they're healed, and they have quick forgiveness, quick repentance, but they're at the gate holding back the barbarians. Mm-hmm. And we have all these other men in the church that the church is being overwhelmed with the symptoms of fatherness, addiction, homosexuality, pornography, divorce, depression, suicide. Pastors are coming to me all the time because the ministry of Fathers of the Field, which I do every day, and these boys are saying, how do we help these men? That was really the genesis of this book. All these men on the sideline, all these believers on the sideline that aren't in the kingdom battle, they're exactly where Satan wants. They're held captive in a POW camp by Satan. And we have to go rescue them. And the, 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 the escape is forgiving your father for hurting you. Mm. That's and where it's got to begin there. You, you have to have yeah. a place of beginning, don't you? Yes. Well, it's the deepest of their sin. They create, they've done a lot of other sins, just like I did. But yeah. that's the deepest of sin. And listen, it, it, it is hurting you, hurting your family, hurting your children, hurting your generationals after you. But most of all, it's hurting God in his kingdom battle. He made men for a glorious, purpose-driven mission. And you're not on that mission because you're you're held captive by your sin of unforgiveness. So we talk a lot about spiritual warfare, and we talk all about, you know, we used to sing a song, oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever, and so on. Victory in Jesus? How can we say we're men of victory and winning the battle when we don't even engage in the war? Amen. Amen. No, amen. Because that's, you know, obviously... Obviously, Satan can't snatch us out of God's hands, but he can certainly tell us captives so we're useless. Yeah, well, maybe you can snatch yourself out. That's something that few people even consider. But I'll tell you, right. uh, what you did not know, John, is that just a few years ago, the Lord put upon my heart to write a book based upon the next-to-last warning that God gives to his people and the world mm-hmm. before the second coming. And that is right out of Malachi chapter 4, where he says uh, that before the great and terrible day of the Lord, I will send forth the spirit of Elijah the prophet 
to call the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And uh, so I wrote a book called Hearts of the Fathers, How to Leave a Legacy That Lasts. And it's all about, uh, you're talking about the forgiveness going back to the relationship with our father and then with our children and so on, others in our lives. Then what do we do? Well, now we've got to become spiritual leaders. We've got to disciple our families. And that's what that book is about. And uh, so together, they they create a uh, two sides of the same coin, shall we say. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So we've got to deal with the forgiveness aspect in order to have standing to deal with the rest of it. Amen. Yeah, yeah. So, look, Amen. friends, here's the book. Man Enough to Forgive, $20 on our website, saveus.org. Now, I'm going to make a special offer here the other side of this coin, and if you want to get both of these books together, Hearts of the Fathers and Man Enough to Forgive, they're not identical in any respect. They're complementary, but not identical. If you want to really deal with this issue of fathering, then you'll get both of these books. Hearts of the Fathers is a $23 hardbound book. I'm going to make it available to you for $15 if you get man enough to forgive. you got to get man enough to forgive in order to get the book for $15. And when you do, you're going to pay $5 for postage and handling for man enough to forgive, but only $2 for postage and handling to get the second book. Now, in other words, you're going to save about uh, around $10 on the second book, but it's going to completely revolutionize and change your heart, your life, your families. Uh, so I hope that you'll do it. In order to receive that special offer, you're going to have to call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA because it's not on the website. Save us, 1-800-SAVE-USA, for that special offer, or you can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. And then, of course, you'll write on your check or a little note, I want that special offer, Man Enough to Forgive, and Hearts of the Fathers. And so you'll add $7 postage and handling for that. Okay, now, John, we're at, uh, what should we say, uh, fish or cut bait moment on this issue, aren't we? Yes. I believe we're, we're definitely at a, 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 you know, a tipping point. You know, we're, we're over 50% followers in our in our nation, mm. and it doesn't include bad fathers. The inner city, we, we have a picture of what our nation looks like. It, you look at the inner city, it's 75% fatherlessness. Yep. The, the suburbia is about 40. As a nation, we're over 50. And so the delta is less than 25 points. If we want to know what our nation looks like, we just have to look at the inner city when it gets 75%. Well, Half just look grade. at our nation's capital right now. It's Amen. about 75% fatherless. And that's just people that are present in the home. That's, oh, yeah, not, exactly. that's not even talking about people that are present in the home that aren't doing what God asked them to do. Yeah, yeah, it's a sad state of affairs. And I would encourage wow. you to read Exodus twenty two twenty two. God God severe anger and wrath towards this issue. We can no longer pretend this is not an issue. We can no longer partake in it as a church and pretend divorce is not fatherlessness. You have to be in the home to fulfill those roles. You don't, when's the last time you heard your pastor give a sermon for the fatherless and the widows of our time? Mm. These single moms who are so desperate trying to hold their, their children together, 
They're the largest unchurched people group in America now. Wow. These single moms, the widows of our time, are the largest unchurched people group in America. They are not going to church, even if they wanted to, because they're working the service jobs on the weekend that prevent them from going to church. Mm-hmm. The church needs to wake up, open its doors, and go find the widows and the fatherless and start discipling and ministering to them and intentionally engaging them. Stop giving them lip service and do... I'm not a theologian, but as I read the Bible, this is the second most important issue of a church principle being is the fathers and the widows after the Great Commission. Well, apparently from God's viewpoint it is. Yes, exactly. So if you're not doing this in your church, what are you doing? The days of us in the American church of writing a check and walking over all the carnage on the way to the post office to take care of the fathers and distant lands is over. We are the mission field. In fact, God's word is true again. We're supposed to start in our own Jerusalem. America is our Jerusalem. Let's get busy. Pastor Greg Laurie says it best. The family can survive without the nation, but the nation cannot survive without the family. What a word. Brother, I just feel like we have made a true kingdom connection here today. I am so thrilled. Uh, Do you think that my uh, uh, arms of the law can reach far enough across from Richmond, Virginia, to uh, Phoenix, Arizona, to give you a holy hug here. Amen. Thank you for your faithful kingdom battle all these years. All right, my brother. Again, friends, uh, if you don't get anything else, get the book, Man Enough to Forgive, Healing the Wounds of Fatherhood Abandonment. I can't tell you how many men and women, by the way, and women feel that abandonment. Take care of it today. By faith. Everything has to be done by faith. We forgive by faith. Then God will bring about the wonderful consequences that we so much desire. Don't yield to the lordship of your feelings. We must forgive by faith. God bless and be a blessing, my friends. Become a partner, send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Become a man enough to forgive, my friends. Courage lost, all lost. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.